Well, grace, peace, and mercy be upon you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You know, sometimes you feel like a jewelry showroom. Everything shines and sparkles. Life glows bright and cheerful. The world glitters. You're catching the light in all the right ways. And then sometimes you feel like a handful of gravel, dense and coarse. Rubble heaps upon you, cold, hard, and sharp. Things drop down over you and grind you away until you end up broken apart. You feel walked on, kicked aside. Remembering or resembling a rock doesn't always amount to flattery. It isn't necessarily a compliment. Sat there like a rock, dumber than a box of rocks, stoned out of his mind. So how should we take it when the Word of God says we're rocks? How shall we interpret what the prophet Isaiah proclaims? Look to the rock from which you were cut from and to the quarry from which you were dug. Hmm? One way to interpret it is to not interpret it at all. Just do what some Christian circles have done since the third century. Leave it alone. Forget the Old Testament. It's old. It's for another time. It's for another people. It doesn't make sense, and it's too hard to understand. Jesus isn't mentioned in it, so let's just go with the New Testament. Well, let's not do that. <laughs> another way to interpret Isaiah is to let Jesus and the Holy Spirit do the work. Because if you read or hear your Bible, you'll find that humanity has a certain geology. It seems sin comes with a terrain, and salvation brings a landscape. Stones speckle the Bible from start to finish. Rocks and stones are in many of the important events. The fabric of our faith features an uneven surface from fragments to summit. Here are but a few examples. The people of Babel pile up boulders to reach God in heaven. The ark settles atop Mount Ararat. Abraham offers Isaac on Mount Moriah, future site of Jerusalem and the temple. The rocks and bedrock of that mountain will be cut from the ground and formed into God's capital city. Moses beholds the burning bush on Mount Horeb and receives the stone tablets containing God's commandments on Mount Sinai. He surveys the promised land from the rocky summit of Mount Nebo in Jordan. The boy and future king of Israel, David, kills the giant enemy warrior with a stone picked up from the ground in the Elah Valley. Daniel foresees the future in Nebuchadnezzar's nightmare statue shattered into pieces by a stone cut by human hands. Jesus is born in the hill country in a manger cut from one of the countless rocks which dot the landscape from Lebanon to the Negev Desert. Jesus is born in the same network of exposed bedrock that Solomon's temple was built upon several miles away. John the baptizer grows up to cry about how uh, he to proclaim mountains being brought low 
and rough places smoothed out so the word of God can travel across the land unhindered. He's actually just uh, quoting Isaiah. Satan tempts Jesus to turn stones into bread so that Jesus will trust in him and bring himself under the rule of darkness. With crowds pressing in on him, Jesus scales to the top of a hill and says to them, Blessed are those who get pelted with persecution because of me. He heads to another peak and is transfigured before three of his students. The Savior's suffering begins in the grove on rocky Mount of Olives, a stone's throw away from the aforementioned Mount Moriah. It ends on Calvary's cross and giving up the spirit while the curtain rips in two in the temple, the earth quakes and rocks split open. And the encore opens in Joseph's of Arimathea's privately owned future family tomb, excavated from the bedrock of the Judean hill country. Whew, is that enough rocks for you from the scriptures? I mean, there's more, I'll tell you. Uh, but, you know, we, we haven't the time. Get you up to a high mountain and tell the world the good news of Jesus Christ. Raise your voice. Lift it up and fear not. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news of forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. Look up toward Mount Zion. Well, Mount Zion is a more figurative mountain in Scripture, not an exact location, but on Zion, the Lord will spread for all peoples across the earth a feast and swallow up death forever. John says, And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great mountain and showed me the holy city coming down from God. They shall not hurt nor nor harm in all my holy mountain, God says, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, and God shall wipe away tears from all faces. Today we've come together with pocketfuls of rocks. What may we make of them? Rocks can be disruptive, and they can ruin your day. Two trips to Cannon Beach these last two weeks with the youth, and I'm lucky I didn't stub both my big toes on those rocks that people pull down from the embankment and put in the sand to make campfires, you know? They're big. Edges are sharp as a knife, and some are under the sand. You can't see them. They're very painful when you step on them. The rocks in our pockets that we bring in here every week are the disruptive and painful thoughts, words, and deeds of our sin. More like boulders, perhaps. Well, that's the way it feels sometimes. Our sin feels like that to us and to others who have received our sin. The prophet says, For the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a t-shirt, and they who live in it will die in like manner. Yikes. These rocks of ours declare and confirm that everything isn't okay. It isn't going as it ought. We don't work the way we're supposed to. And it can't keep going on like this. Look around the Martian-like landscape that is, in, that is humanity. 
how our hearts reflect a dismantled Jerusalem, the temple stones toppled by Roman soldiers, lives smolder in resemblance to the smoking homes Isaiah's Assyrian intruders left behind. One can only imagine how this imagery would translate into reality if he were a surviving resident of Lahaina in Maui or one of the many places burned by the countless fires happening right now. It would really bring this, uh, some of these uh, verses home, wouldn't it? This land and that land on the, uh, of then stretch out before us, blasted loose, cut into, pried away, shaken out, what have you. We shouldn't have sinned this last week. We shouldn't have thrown that stone or stumbling rock of offense. But rocks also mean sculpting. Rolling over one of those rocks in the sand at the beach, I said to one of our young people, look at this rock. It's dark and dense, mostly iron ore, it would safe to presume. At any rate, that's the stuff of the universe, you know. That's what God made everything out of. It's rock, iron ore. It's the Play-Doh, so to speak, which God formed in his hands to make the universe and everything in it. He sculpted it. Moses wrote down in his first book that we were made from the stuff of the universe. If God be the sculptor of us all, that means he uses exquisite skill and tools to cut, gouge, chisel, carve, engrave, sand and smooth until the gems take shape and the faces materialize through the still-setting dust. Dead rocks are brought new life and identity. We have faced the honesty, my friends. Now let's feel the hope. God says you were hewn, you know, cut, gorged, chiseled, whatever, that I might bless you as Abraham. You were dug that I might multiply like Sarah. The Lord makes her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of God. The droughts and blights we people bring upon ourselves are purified. Turmoil and tragedy, crisis and catastrophe, disappointment and frustration honed into a steady restoration and gradual conversion. In the midst of the world's sickness and sorrow, our God donated himself to the world in his son Jesus. And we are formed and made more to be like him. This Jesus has come also among us. He suffered punishment for our sin in our place. Thorns scraped across him, rusty, jagged nails punctured, and an Iron Age blade pierced him. His body absorbed the, absorbed the death of it, but gave the benefit of it to you and me. His death by crucifixion settled the debt and reconciled us with our Maker. Now He's shaping us for a different setting. He's forming our hearts and minds and spirits for better surroundings, a new earth and new heavens, an everlasting kingdom 
which starts now, today, for the entire family, your whole household of faith, whoever that might be. And every ache and injury, every ordeal and difficulty, forgiving grace given to us by Jesus surrounds us and holds us up. Jesus' devotion for us in saving us sees us through the car wrecks, even if we don't survive them. He sees us through the drained bank accounts, the unmet deadlines, the failed exams, the unexpected and unwanted diagnoses, and the, all the nerve-wracking dangers of this life, the lonely nights and boring mornings. He, his gifts and promises soften the strikes. For everyone who falls on this rock will break into pieces. But we've had our burial and our resurrection with Christ in our baptism, haven't we? Do you remember what Captain Spock said in Star Trek VI? Oh, come on, I know you like Star Trek. It's, it's been around for ages, okay? It's, you're, it's, it's, not too, it's not new, right? When the Enterprise was about to be blown to smithereens by the Klingons and someone on the bridge says, We're all going to die! Spock says with utter confidence, I've been dead before. You know, and, and he has been, right? He got killed in one of the earlier movies. It came back to life, right? We baptized Christians can say that. We can say that too, and it's not science fiction. It's the truth. It's the rock-solid truth. We've been dead before and are now alive in and with Christ. Whether anyone believes it or not, Jesus walked out of the grave. Whether you feel it or not, Jesus has won the victory over the devil. And whether we like it or not, Jesus has destroyed sin. Your sin, my sin. It doesn't count against us on account of him. He's taken it onto himself and took the consequences. He has brought in a new kingdom, his kingdom, which he has given to us. So all these rocks of ours, these former things, they're forgotten. And all things set right. So let your compassion for others have courage and your patience persevere. Because, you know, being a Christian means you endure the long run of this world with all its rocks and boulders in the way. You endure it in faith which Jesus gives you. We've come here with pocketfuls of rocks, and we leave here with a remnant, and we'll come back next week or next month, hopefully not next year, <laughs> with pocketfuls again. So may honesty disrupt, hope sculpt, joy construct, peace protect, and faith persist in you. Christ alone be our rock and salvation. Amen.